Well, today we're continuing our series on prayer, on the Lord's Prayer, and I found for myself that I can learn prayer from just about anybody, and I love to listen to other people pray. I love to listen to Barry Dodson pray. He just talks to God like God's his best friend. I love listening to uh, people on Thursday morning as they pray and open their hearts. I learn a lot about, the, about praying from the prayers of others, but I love listening to the prayers of children. Children have a way of just being very frank with God. And so um, during vacation Bible school, our, uh, our preschoolers were asked for prayer requests. I want to share with you some of their responses. On Monday, here's some of the responses. I want to thank God for Jesus. Now, these are three to five-year-old kids. Thank you, God, for my papa and going fishing. Please pray that my mom and dad can be happy. I mean, kids, kids are very perceptive. Tuesday, thank you, God, for VBS and fun snacks. <laughs> Ask God to tell me it's okay to share when I don't want to. Pray for my grandfather that died. And then that other prayer about the toys, well, this, this one is, this, this request solves that. Can God give us more toys so we don't have to share? Wednesday, please pray for God to show me what love is. Man, isn't that amazing that a preschooler would ask that? Can you please tell God I'd like a new puppy to be part of our family? Can God please help me to be nice to my brother and him to be nice to me? Please pray for my mom and dad that they'll have enough food for all of us. I mean, a child knew that issue. And by the way, God answered the prayer that night because those leaders who heard that prayer request got food from our food pantry and gave it to that family. Please pray my mom will hug my dad. Hmm. Thursday, can God make my friend better? She's still sick. Can you tell God I want to play with him too? If God's my friend forever, I only like friends who have better toys than me. And you remember that prayer for the puppy? Thursday, same kid said, can you tell God I'm still waiting for my puppy? <laughs> that's, that's awesome. I think prayer is simply a child talking to his heavenly father. Very simple, very open, very raw. And when Jesus gave us this prayer that we know as the Lord's prayer, it's really the children's prayer. It's the children's prayer before their heavenly father. We've recognized the fact that if you really think about what Jesus is inviting us to do, it's pretty amazing. For example, we, we come into the presence of our Heavenly Father, our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. We, we come before God and say, I recognize that you have a relationship with me. I've been adopted into your family as a child. You are my Father. You've forgiven me. You, you've poured your love upon me. I get to come into your presence. You are the only God who hears prayers, and I get to talk to you. I, I, I praise your name. I hallow your name. I, I hold it up as, as a name above every other name. And then I pray this. I pray for your kingdom to come and your will to be done right here on earth as it's being done in heaven. God, I want more than anything, not my agenda, but yours. We, we learned last week from a, a prayer warrior named George Mueller that nine-tenths of the problems in our prayer life are overcome when we settle that issue. That, that we are determined to do God's will no matter what the cost is. 
And so we want his will to start, starting with us, right inside of us. And once we've established that, we're in God's presence, we're here to do his will, we want to see it happen in this earth, starting with our lives, then we, then we lay before him these requests. The first one was for daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. And that's really verbiage for our basic needs, the necessities of life, the survival things. God promises that if we seek first his kingdom, all those things, food, shelter, clothing, you know, maybe work, Love, hope, all those things that you need for life that are basic. He says, I'll provide for you. And then we come to this next request, a request that a church father named St. Augustine said is the terrible petition. Listen to it. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, I've, I've prayed that Hundreds of times in my lifetime. Hundreds. And I've whizzed through the whole Lord's Prayer very quickly without really thinking through, what am I praying when I pray this prayer? And I've come to realize as we're even studying this, you can't rush through the Lord's Prayer quickly. You can't surrender to God's, God's will just like that. You've got to wrestle inside and say, God, I want your will more than my will. And then you pray for your needs to be met. And then, God, forgive my sins in the manner that I forgive the sins of others. It's a, a bold, bold request. And if you're serious about the prior request to see his kingdom come, it's as if God's calling us and saying, do you really want my kingdom to come? Because here's how I want it to start. With the people who've hurt you. Let my kingdom come, my will be done, as you forgive others. This is going to be a tough morning. Because some of us have people in our lives that hurt us. Could be an ex-spouse, could be a parent, could be an old boss, could be a former friend, could be a pastor, leader in a church. And it's been hard to forgive. And you've kind of put that on the back burner, but every time that name comes or you see that person, the emotions start coming back. I, I, I became aware of someone that I haven't seen for seven years. It's come back in my life. I'm going to see that person this month. And I had to really ask myself, have I truly forgiven that person? It was a very difficult time in my life. A lot of pain came into my life because of this person. Have I truly forgiven? And what you're going to hear from Jesus today, not just me, but from Jesus today, is going to shake some of you up. But I'm going to tell you this. There's no better place to be than in obedience to the will of God. If you truly want his will to be done, if that's our desire today, Get ready. Father, speak to us through your word. This is a powerful prayer. One, Father, we would rather skip over. And I pray, Lord, that you would make it clear to us what you've done for us so we in turn could do to others what you have done for us. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. You know, when I go through scriptures like this, I often begin just by asking questions about the passage. Or questions that people might ask of me about the passage. So I'm going to go through five questions today to help understand what does it mean when we pray and forgive us our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors. Well, the first question that comes up is this. If our sins are forgiven when we receive Jesus Christ, why are we asking for forgiveness? If our sins have already been forgiven, why ask for forgiveness? In fact, there are those who say the prayer that Jesus gave took place before he went to the cross. There was no sacrifice for sins on the cross yet, so Jesus couldn't apply that in the prayer. 
But after Jesus died on the cross, we no longer had to ask for forgiveness of sins once we were forgiven. Now, that, that seems kind of logical that if God's forgiven your sins through Christ, you never have to deal with it again. But the reality is we still struggle with sin every single day. In fact, in the book of 1 John, John talks about the need to walk in the light as he is in the light. And what he means by that is when you come into the light, just like I'm in the light here, you're coming in honest confession of your shortcomings before God. And so John says this, He says this in in verse 8, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. He will forgive us our sins. Not that they've already been forgiven. There's a sense in that we have to continually recognize the sin in our lives to remain in a state of forgiveness. We have to continue to acknowledge that, to remain in a state of forgiveness, because sin uh, drives a wedge. It drove a wedge between us and God through our lives. We accepted Christ. We were brought back together, but sin will continue to drive a wedge. I, I was just following a person this week who used to be a leader in our church, and over the course of years, I've watched this person kind of drift away from churches and just found out this week this, this man had an affair and is divorcing his wife. And I just see this pattern that when you allow sin to enter into your lives and don't deal with it, it drives a wedge between you and God. So we have to come back again and again to to seek forgiveness from the Lord. And God is very eager to forgive when we confess. Second question then, are you saying then that if I pray this prayer, forgive me my sins or my debts as I forgive my debtors, that my forgiveness is connected to my willingness or unwillingness to forgive others? Is that, is that what it seems to be saying here? That somehow, if I don't forgive others, God won't forgive my sin? There are many who take this position, that if you are a true believer, you will always forgive. In fact, one of the, the men I admire greatly, I actually look to him sometimes in Bible studies, is a, is a preacher named Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon said this, The man who does not forgive has never been forgiven, but the man who's been freely forgiven at once forgives others. Now that sounds like very neat and tidy. Someone, if someone doesn't forgive, then they never were a Christian in the first place. But I have, a, I have a problem with that. Because I've known a lot of Christians who don't quickly forgive others. At least I thought they were Christians. And, and why in the world are we commanded to forgive if it was something that was so naturally responsive to sin in our lives? It's something that we're commanded to do because it's not easy to do. And, and we don't naturally respond. We ought to. That ought to be the response. We, we ought to forgive quickly. We ought to forgive fully. But we don't. And that's why Charles Stanley said in his decades of ministry, the number one problem he found among Christians is that they struggle with forgiving others. Now, he never said those never were Christians in the first place. He said these are believers who struggle with forgiving others. Listen to Jesus' words. And forgive us our debts. That's something that they're asking to happen. It hasn't happened yet. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors, something I've already done. In other words, they're saying, God, treat me and my sins in the way that I've treated others in their sins. You see how dangerous that prayer request is? If you do not forgive others, what you're saying is, God, then don't forgive me. 
What does that do to relationship with the Lord? So again, you may be saying, Pastor, are you saying then my forgiveness, is, is that connected to my willingness to forgive others? I am not saying that. That's not what I'm saying. Jesus is saying that. That's what Jesus is saying. And if there, there's doubt about what Jesus is saying, and, and maybe his disciples questioned him and said, Jesus, is that really what you mean? It's the only part of the Lord's Prayer that he clarifies. In fact, immediately after the Lord's Prayer, in verses 14 and 15 of Matthew 6, Jesus said this, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Can I make it any clearer? That's what I meant. I meant what I said. So are you sure, Pastor? Are you really sure that's what Jesus is saying? Because that's pretty heavy stuff. What does that say about a person who's held on to unforgiveness for years and years and years? What does that say about them? What, where do they stand with God? You know, I was really struggling with this because I've known believers who struggled to forgive someone who's really hurt them. And I went to bed that night saying, God, I, I, I need clarity in this. This is what it seems to be saying. And if that's true, that's pretty, that's pretty heavy. And I don't want to misrepresent you or mislead your people. And I went to bed Monday night just really disturbed by that. But I said, Lord, just give me understanding. Now, I would just recommend to you, some of you feel like, well, you know what? I, I, don't, I don't have a Bible college education. I don't read up on commentaries. I'm not into that. I'm just an average Joe. So I get all my Bible information from so-and-so and so-and-so because they're the experts. It's good to learn from others. It's good to have a, a Bible education if you can get it. But the best thing you can do to understand the Bible is open up your heart and be willing to say, God, teach me. Because the Holy Spirit lives inside of us as our teacher. And he will open your eyes to things like nobody else can. If you're willing to put aside your prejudices, your religious background, your traditions, your boxes that you're trying to put God in and just say, okay, I'm going to have an open mind. And, and, and God, tell me, tell me what this is saying you will find yourself understanding Scripture in a much better way. And so Monday, uh, Tuesday morning, first thing in my, in my mind, even before I got out of bed, I'm laying there half awake, half asleep, and it was like the Lord was saying, I've made it crystal clear. I said, you did? He said, yes. I, I, I made this so clear there should be no doubt. And immediately my mind went ahead to another chapter in Matthew, Matthew 18, a story that Jesus told about forgiveness. And I want you to turn there, if you've got a Bible, to Matthew chapter 18. Because when you read this story, you'll discover Jesus couldn't be more clear. He couldn't be more clear about what he meant in this matter of forgiving others. It says, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Peter's a pretty good guy. And he's got... Somebody in mind that bugs him. Someone that keeps offending him. And, and he says, okay, Jesus, I, I, I've got grace. My heart's full of grace. I'm willing to forgive them up to seven times. That's a biblical number, right? That's the number of completeness, number of perfection. If I forgive a person seven times, that should be the lid, right? Jesus says, mm-mm. No, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Or some of your Bibles say seven times 70. Now, there's a big difference between 70 and 490. 
But Jesus isn't saying, you know, get out a legal pad, keep track of it. When you hit 70 or you hit 490, that's the limit. When you hit that number, it's over. You, you don't have to forgive after that. What he's saying is, you keep forgiving. You just keep forgiving. Keep forgiving to where you lose count of how many times you're forgiven. And then he wanted to make this vividly clear by telling him this story. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The, The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Now, this king called, called for these debts to be paid. This guy comes in, and you need to understand how big this debt is. My Bible says 10,000 bags of gold. Footnote says 10,000 talents. A, a talent, uh, you can find some different definitions, but it's, it's the weight of a commodity that the average man could carry in a, in a bag on his back. And so it's estimated to have been about 75 pounds. Talent is 75 pounds. And, he, and these, are, these are bags of gold. 75 pounds of gold in each sack. Now, do you know how, how much 75 pounds of gold is worth today? An ounce of gold is worth $1,225. One bag of gold, 70-pound bag of gold, 16 ounces per pound, comes out to $1.47 million. He owes 10,000 bags. 14, almost $15 billion. How in the world did this dude rack up $15 billion? I have no clue. And that's not the point of the story, so it doesn't matter. The point was, he owes an astronomical debt. So great that he can't repay it, even though he begs, please, please. I'll do it. I'll work. I'll work. I'll work it off. And the king says, no, I'm going to take your wife, your kids, everything that you own. And the man was just devastated, pleaded with the king. And here's what the king did. He said, I'm going I'm to cancel the debt. You aren't going to owe me a penny. And can you imagine the feeling of that man? He had a right to be thrown into prison. He had a right probably to be executed. He had a right to have his family and all of his possessions taken away. Can you imagine the feeling now of, of freedom, of joy, of hope, of starting afresh? Now, there's one thing about forgiveness you need to understand. Somebody took a loss. You know that $15 billion owed? That king doesn't get it now. What was owed him will never be delivered. He eats it. He suffers the pain of that loss. See, anytime someone's forgiven, you have to understand that. When someone's forgiven, when a debt is forgiven, someone pays it, just not you. Someone else pays it. They absorb the the cost of it. And you and I understand what Jesus is talking about here. You and I owe God a great debt. Through a lifetime of disobedience and dishonor before God, of not living for him, not obeying his commands, we've accumulated a a debt of sin that is so astronomical, there is no way we could pay it. But here's what God did. He sent his one and only son to die death on the cross. And Jesus suffered that pain for us. 
He absorbed the cost on the cross so you and I could be free from sin. And that's why we're filled with joy. We're filled with this, this, this thrill of, of walking in freedom and hope and joy because we've been forgiven this great debt. We love this story. It resonates with us. But we're not going to like the next part of the story. We go on um, as Jesus is telling the story. When that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could repay the debt. Now, you know how much this man owed in modern-day terms? Some of your Bibles will say it was 100 denarii. A denarius was equivalent to a day's wage. We're looking at this man owed possibly ten to $20,000. Ten to $20,000. And he... Um, it's a significant debt, but it's much different from the debt owed by the other man to the king. And yet this man has no mercy on him. He begins to choke him. He throws him into prison. He tells him that you're going to stay there until you pay it back, which doesn't make sense to me. How in the world are you going to pay this debt back in prison? And you see the contrast? Big debt, full forgiveness. Little debt, no forgiveness. And so word gets around. It says, when other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? The king is stunned. The king can't believe it. And he is so angry. I took the hit for you, this astronomical amount, and you don't have the heart to be gracious this much to your friend. It doesn't make sense to me. And the king is irate. He says he called the, uh, the servant in. Then he said, In anger, his master handed him over to the jailer to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is a hard part of the story. And some of you are going to struggle with this. The man had his debt reinstated. The full force of the debt reinstated. This causes some of us trouble because... We have the mindset of if God's forgiven my sin, they're forgiven always and forever. And that's a theology box. I'm just telling you, that's not what Jesus says here. You may say, well, pastor, that, he's talking about unbelievers who weren't forgiven in the first place. No, he's not. He's not even talking about believers, unbelievers. He's talking about forgiven people who then become unforgiven. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to make something up or make this harder just to just to make us uncomfortable. I'm just, I'm just forced by Jesus' own story to say, I think that's what he's saying. And then he summarizes it with these words. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from the heart. Doesn't that shake you up a little bit? 
And he calls on his father. He doesn't say this is how the judge is going to torture. He says, this is your father. This is how your father, who's so disappointed in us when we refuse to forgive. And we won't go into this part of what does it mean they, they, he was tortured and put back into prison. But it just doesn't look good. And this story aligns perfectly with what the prayer in the Lord's Prayer says. Forgive us our debts, even as we have forgiven our debtors. Why is it so critical? Why do I have to forgive? Forgiveness is all about a debt that's owed. You, you have people who've wronged you in your lives. Maybe they borrowed money they didn't repay. That's a, that's a literal physical debt. But maybe it's in another form. Maybe they owed you an apology. Maybe they owed you an opportunity, a second chance, a valid reason, an explanation. Maybe this person took something from you, and so they owe you. They, they took away your hope. They took away your joy. They took away your innocence. They took away your childhood. They, they took away your marriage. Whatever you are owed, it is small in comparison to what you owed God. That's the point of the story. Whatever anybody owes you looks like this compared to what God has forgiven you. That is the reference point we always go back to. We forgive for one reason. Jesus forgave me. Jesus forgave my greater debt. That's why we're commanded in Scripture to forgive, and we're always reminded of this. Colossians 3.13 is an example of it. It says in Colossians, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. The forgiveness we have received is always the measure that we use to forgive other people. But pastor, you're probably thinking, surely there's got to be some exceptions to this. There's got to be some times where God says, "Uh, uh, uh, uh-uh-uh-uh, that's over the line. That's too much. And God allows us to hold on to that bitterness, that desire to receive an apology, that desire for that other person to own up to what they've done. Surely there's got to be some times when that is true. There's only one sin that I see in Scripture that God doesn't forgive. It's called the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And since none of you are the Holy Spirit, that one, that one loophole doesn't pertain to any of us. Are there some exceptions? No. Not anyone or anything. How do I know that? Again, I, I'm, not, I'm not making this up. I'm not trying to make something or twist scriptures. This is, I believe, the clear teaching of scripture. Listen to Mark chapter 11, verse 25. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, that's all-inclusive, right? Anything, all-inclusive, anyone, that's that's all-inclusive, forgive them so, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Why do we forgive? So we can remain in a state of forgiveness. It feels like we're letting them off the hook, Pastor. The man that abused my child person that murdered my friend, the boss that, that, that cheated me out of a check, you know, all these things that we can think of. It just feels like we're letting them off the hook, and to be honest, we are. We are. Just as Jesus let you off the hook. Well, that's not fair. It's not. That's why it's called grace. 
Fair means you get what you deserve. Do you want what you deserve? The first man, he got what he deserved. He got fair. He got thrown back into prison. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. And I think what God's trying to communicate and what he's put on my heart is this. There is nothing that demonstrates the gospel message better than when you forgive someone who's wronged you. Think about it. What is the gospel message? It's that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and extended grace to us. That's the gospel message. Now, I know as we live out our Christian lives, we help poor people and and we encourage the downtrodden and and we do a lot of good deeds. But, But when you forgive someone, it goes right to the heart of the message of grace. And just like Jesus, when you forgive someone, you absorb the pain. You absorb the pain of them never apologizing to you, possibly, of never paying you back what they owed, of never giving you back what they took. And you say, but I'm going to do it with the strength God provides because that's what Jesus has done for me. Do you know when we go to heaven and see Jesus, it says they will look upon those that they have pierced, that it, that it seems that Jesus will still have piercings on his body as a reminder of the price that he's carried throughout these generations, the price he paid to forgive us. So why would we not expect, if we're to walk in the path of Jesus, that we don't carry a little pain in our forgiveness of others? See, today's a day for us to say, I, I, I can't play around with this anymore. I have got to forgive. And many of you have someone in mind, maybe a number of people in mind, that you need to forgive today. When you came in, you received a red card. It's the only paper I could find. And I'm glad it's red because it reminds me of the blood of Christ. That's why we forgive. I want you to write on that card the name of someone that you need to forgive fully from your heart. This isn't just saying, I'm just going to do it because he tells me to. God tells me to forgive, so I'm going to forgive. It's, I do forgive. I was reading about a man who met a counselor. The counselor had him write down his father's name because his father really hurt him. He said, I want you to write down everything your father did or didn't do to hurt you. So he did. He made this list. He said, make as long as you want. Made a long list. He said, okay, now that you've got your list, here's what I want you to do. I want you to imagine your father. He had been deceased. I want you to imagine your father sitting in the chair in front of you, and I want you to read him the list. I want you to tell him everything he did or didn't do, all the things you expected him to do and he didn't come through, all the things he did that hurt you. Tell him how it made you feel. Tell him how what he did to you screwed up your life. Pour it out to him. And when you get it all out, you say to him this, but dad, I forgive you because Jesus has forgiven me. And some of you may need to do that this week. You may take some time to truly cleanse yourself and truly and fully finally forgive but there are others here today that you are ready today and I want you to take that card with that name on and just come up here there's trash cans up here shred it throw it in the trash can saying I'm done it's over I've forgiven that debt is gone I've given it to the Lord today's a day of breakthrough for you. See, God knows unforgiveness is like a cancer that eats away at our souls. 
And I believe Jesus was so strong in what he said here is to shake us up and realize it has spiritual consequences when you hold on to and harbor unforgiveness. Get rid of it. Get rid of it quickly. Say the Lord's Prayer. Say it often. And every time you do, make sure that you are cleansed and cleared of all accounts owed you.